Hello ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are reviewing chapters 12 through 17 of the Gospel of John. This section could be called Jesus' private ministry with his disciples, which were more than just the twelve. Verse 54 of John 11 reads, Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence unto the country near to the wilderness into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. At the end of Jesus' public ministry, he did two amazing miracles, or signs, which the apostle John called them. He healed a man born blind, which only God could do. And then he raised Lazarus to life after being in the grave for four days. I have heard from a few pastors that the Jews thought the spirit of the person hovered over the body for three days, but after that the spirit left them completely. So that made Jesus' miracle even more amazing. This also was an act that only God could do. Therefore, the religious leaders were trying to kill Jesus, which brought him to leave his public ministry. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12 say, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which he had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Now, before we go on with this story, I would like to encourage you to read each of these anointings of Jesus found in all four Gospels. They are in Matthew 26, verses 1 through 16, Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 11, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, and John chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Almost every commentary says that they're the same anointing. In fact, I've heard only one other theologian, a musician named Michael Card, say that he believed that there were two anointings. And I think that Jesus was anointed twice by two different women. The first time was six days before the Passover, and the second was two days before the Passover. Mary, the sister of Lazarus, anointed Jesus' feet. The other lady, described as a sinful woman, anointed Jesus' head two days before the Passover. In chapter 11, verse 2, John says, It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. It seemed that John was trying to differentiate between the women. This is just something for you to look at and think about. Now, onward to Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. We first read of them in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. That was the story where Martha invited Jesus and the gang to her home, and she was working, and Mary was at Jesus' feet listening and learning, and Martha was so upset and worried about many things. In today's story, 
Martha is again serving, but her attitude is thanksgiving for her brother Lazarus is alive. Mary is also at Jesus' feet again, but this time she is serving the Lord by anointing his feet with nard and wiping his feet with her hair. It was an act of love, thanksgiving, and in preparation for Jesus' burial. Verses 12 through 19 talk of the next day. Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a colt, which we call Palm Sunday. Verses 20 through 36 tell of the story that Greeks came to worship at the feast and they wanted to see Jesus. Now their presence for Jesus may have been a sign to him that his time had come. Psalm 86 and 87 are psalms that talk about other nations coming to worship the Lord. That may be why John wrote about Jesus' glorification about his death. We find in verse 23, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. He spoke of grain that died and therefore will bring forth much fruit. This led Jesus to tell his disciples that they too should be willing to sacrifice their lives. Verse 27 reads, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. The end of chapter 12 talks of many people who did not believe, even though they saw so many miracles, and how this fulfilled Isaiah chapter 6. There were also people who did believe, but they were afraid of the Pharisees. Verse 43 states, For they loved the praise of men, more than the praise of God. Chapter 13 is unique to the book of John. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Verse 1 says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them until the end. Jesus washed all their feet, but the reason that he could do such a thing is found in verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God. One thing to notice is that Jesus washed Judas's feet as well. At first, Peter refused and Jesus said, Then you'll have no part of me. Then Peter said, okay, then wash my hands and my head too. Jesus said the only part that needed washed was his feet. And then he is clean, but not all of you. He meant Judas. Jesus told them that he washed their feet as an example of servanthood and humility. Then verse 18 reads, I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen but it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. This is Psalm chapter 41 verse 9. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. I also believe it is in fulfillment of the first promise of the Messiah found in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 
when God is speaking to the serpent. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. In other words, Satan will bruise Jesus, but he will overcome. And when he does, Jesus will bruise Satan on his head. He will be defeated. Peter and John were trying to get Jesus to tell who he was speaking about. He said it is one who takes this bread. He gave it to Judas and Judas took it. After the morsel, Satan then entered into Judas. Verse 30 ends, and it was night. The chapter ends with Jesus giving a new commandment to love one another as I have loved you. Verse 35 reads, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. My opinion, the world does not see that in many churches nowadays. Peter declared that he would lay down his life for Jesus and Jesus told him he would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. Chapter 14 is full, full, full of wonderful words of Jesus. Verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Have you ever stopped and thought about how Jesus created you and he knows you perfectly and he's fixing up a place for you? It's going to be perfect. Thomas asked, where are you going and how can we know the way? Jesus replied, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Then as Jesus was giving his going away words, he tells them of the comforter coming, the spirit of truth. The whole chapter is full of love and the spirit. Chapter 15 encourages the disciples to abide in him. Jesus reminded them that every branch that bears fruit will be pruned, that it may bring forth more fruit. Ladies, there is a purpose for our pain. We can't do anything eternal without Jesus. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. One of those commandments, again, is to love one another. Jesus warns them that the world will hate them like they hated him. But the Spirit, the Comforter, will come and guide them into all truth. Chapter 16 continues that they will be persecuted, but the Comforter will guide them and will glorify Jesus. Plus, they can pray in Jesus' name unto the Father. Verses 32 and 33 say, Behold, the hour comes, yea, is now come, that you will be scattered, every man to his own, and you will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. 
I have overcome the world. Chapter 17 is Jesus' prayer. Ladies, please take the time to read and ponder these beautiful words sometime today. In verse 3, Jesus prayed, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Verse 9, Jesus prayed, I pray for them, his disciples. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me, for they are yours. Verse 15 says, I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. Then, I don't know if you've noticed this before, but Jesus prayed for you too. Verses 20 and 21, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, and that the world may believe that you have sent me. His prayer ends with verse 26, And I have declared unto them your name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The Apostle John in his book described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. How many Christians do you know that would describe themselves like that? The Bible declares we are loved by God the Father and by Jesus, yet so few of us are confident like John was that he was loved with an everlasting love. Ladies, how about your heart? Do you believe that you are loved with an everlasting love by Jesus, our Creator, Savior, and Lord? Even though feelings come and go, let me ask, do you feel that love today? If not, what is standing in your way? I've shared before that with my postpartum depression, I did not feel forgiven or loved, but I trusted in the truth of the Bible that I was saved and loved because of who Jesus was and what he did on that cross, not because of my feelings. I do also believe that there is a direct correlation when we walk in obedience to Jesus and we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us that feelings can come. If you heard his voice today, if the Holy Spirit is nudging you, let's not harden our hearts. Instead, let's be women who pray and obey and love one another. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.